Listen. Those are the drums of liberty. So why does progressive politics almost always ruin our largest American cities? We have an unexpected answer from an unexpected source next on the Liberty Minute. Welcome to the Theory to Action podcast, where we examine the timeless treasures of wisdom from the great books in less time to help you take action immediately and ultimately to create and lead a flourishing life. Now, here's your host, David Kaiser. Hello, I am David, and welcome back to another Liberty Minute. So why does progressive politics almost always ruin our largest American cities? Well, that's a great question that many, many people have been asking for a long time. Going all the way back to the 1960s, there has been a major movement of America's largest cities all across the country, electing and re-electing wide swaths of Democratic and progressive political candidates. Election cycle after election cycle and decade after decade, this major evolution in American politics, frankly, has not changed. So today's Book of the Day, San Francisco, Why Progressives Ruin Cities by Michael Schellenberger, is so pivotal because it helps us to understand this phenomenon. And Mr. Schellenberger admits that he is one of those progressives that helped bring about many cities a ruin. In his opening introduction, Michael Schellenberger gives us a brief glimpse into his background as a socialist youth in the late 1980s. He, of course, growing up, read all the radical books, including Noam Chomsky. In the late 1990s, he was with the the, the eco-anarchist, kind of the predecessors to the Antifa thugs of today's world. Even back then, they started to wear the infamous black block attire. So it wasn't until he was confronted on the street during COVID that he started to change his heart and his mind. And he started to ask some deeper questions of himself and ponder those same deep answers, such as why have progressive Democratic elected Folks, frankly, just stopped enforcing many, many laws on the books. And another question was, if we continue to spend all this money towards these major problems, such as mental illness, homelessness, and drug addiction, are we making a dent in reducing any of these major problems in our cities? And the final question is, why is everything growing worse if progressives have been in charge for decade upon decade? So these are all great questions, and I'm only going to cover one of these themes throughout the book, but there are many others. And Mr. Schellenberger uh, distills one major theme that we're going to pick up on, and that is the lack of responsibility across the board 
from the people affected to the politicians, to the city managers, to the city councils, to almost everybody involved. Nobody addressing these crises, these crises in any of the major cities ever admits that the crisis is happening and that they want to take ownership. So with that, let's jump to our first big quote from the book. Quote, progressive homelessness advocates hold two moral values particularly deeply, caring and fairness. Quote, across many scales, surveys, and political controversies, notes the psychologist Jonathan Haidt, liberals turn out to be more disturbed by signs of violence and suffering compared to conservatives and especially to libertarians. But in the process of valuing care so much, progressives abandoned other important values, argue hate and other researchers in the field called moral foundations theory. Researchers point to surveys over 11,000 people over the last 20 years to suggest the existence of six universal values, caring, fairness, liberty, sanctity, authority, and loyalty. Hate and others note that while progressives, people viewed as liberal and very liberal, hold the values of caring, fairness, and liberty, they tend to reject sanctity, authority, and loyalty as wrong because these, these values are so deeply held, often subconsciously. Moral foundations theory explains well why so many progressives and conservatives today view each other not as merely uninformed, but immoral, end of quote. Later on, Schellenberger gets to the heart of this radical progressive philosophy. Quote, the germ of the idea that society should be organized around the downtrodden was developed by Karl Marx and Frederick Engels in the mid-19th century. In the Communist Manifesto, they argued that it was possible and desirable to build a radically egalitarian society. We would do so well from a place of cooperation, not competition. Socialism would take us from our current system of capitalist meritocracy to a communist utopia. While Marx and Engels described the worker overthrow of the government in economic and social terms, revolution had a spiritual meaning too. Quote, the total redemption of humanity, end of quote. And as we have noted on this podcast so many times, the intellectual German thinkers of the 19th and 20th century, including Marx and Engels, were just flat out crazy. I'm not sure what was in the water over there then, but my Lord, did they get things completely wrong. Just take the last sentence from our quote. Marxism believes in the communist revolution to have a, quote, total redemption of humanity. This modern notion of utopia on earth. Folks, this will never, ever happen. For people to keep espousing it some 150, 125 years later is just nuts, radically nuts. And this is affecting how progressive-run cities operate day in and day out. If they understood that human nature does not and will not ever change. When they would accept this and begin to govern as such, 
then they would govern the world as it is. And the world will be much happier because reasonable people accept all of this as a premise. In fact, it's an old world truth. For some 1800 to 2500 years, humanity knew that human nature would not change. It's never going to change. Now half of the country is confused about the nature of humanity. And furthermore, now we're even confused about which bathroom to go into as a society. This is not living in the real world of reality. And boy, there are many victims in this world now. And so many without any responsibility. And so we see civilization now descending into anarchy and descending into a flourishing, not to use that word negatively, but it's true, a flourishing of victimology. Now, one way to ensure you're not a victim is to take ownership of your life. Take ownership of everything great and small in your life. And one way to do that is by reading great books, not the rubbish of Marx or the German thinkers, but the good stuff, the the real stuff. Now you might ask, dang, if only someone would put together a list of good books. Well, in fact, there is a list of good books. We call it our Foundations in Flourishing book list. So be sure to download your free PDF from our website, teammojoacademy.com teammojoacademy all one word dot com like I said we call it the foundations in flourishing it's where we highlight the top 12 books to get you started on your flourishing journey you can find that download link in the show notes below as well or at the website again teammojoacademy.com Again, it's free, and it's the perfect checklist of good books to get you started on your reading journey and to start, more importantly, putting theory into action. So go now today, download your PDF. Again, the link is in the show notes. But let's continue on with our book today, San Francisco, Why Progressives Ruin Cities, and this theme that Mr. Schellenberger was talking about of victimology. Going back to the book. The dark side of victimology is how it moralizes power. Victimology takes the truth that it is wrong for people to be victimized and distorts it by going a step further. Victimology asserts that victims are inherently good because they have been victimized. It robs victims of their moral agency and creates double standards that frustrate any attempt to criticize their behavior even if they're behaving in self-destructive, antisocial ways like smoking fentanyl and living in a tent on a sidewalk. Such reasoning is obviously faulty. It purifies victims of all badness. But by appealing to emotion, victimology overrides reason and logic. End of quote. Schellenberger goes on, quote, this is not a phenomenon of ignorant people, but rather of highly educated ones. It was philosophers, university professors, and journalists after World War II 
who decided that because the mentally ill had been so badly mistreated that they needed to be freed immediately, even though that meant becoming homelessness or becoming homeless and often incarcerated. The same kinds of people in the 1990s felt that America that that felt because America had gone overboard with drug prohibition, punishment and mass incarceration, we should not pressure addicts as they do in Portugal and the Netherlands to get sober. And it is educated progressives in West Coast cities today who point to centuries of racism as a reason for stop to stop enforcing the laws that make this whole city life possible, including laws against armed gangs taking over whole neighborhoods. End of quote. So you can see charity and compassion almost everybody can understand especially with drug addiction and with homelessness and frankly i would guess most reasonable people agree with whether they're religious or secular in their private life with that compassion and that charity but schellenberger cuts to the chase in this final paragraph going back to the book quote the problem is when compassion acts as a cover for darker motivations. Throughout history, people who appear to have the dark triad personality traits of psychopathy, Machiavellianism, and narcissism, most famously Stalin and Mao, have successfully manipulated compassionate and idealistic people to support them, even after evidence of their barbarism came to light. And what is notable is that they have often done so not by pretending to be altruistic, but by genuinely being altruistic. If we are to understand why progressives ruin cities, we need to understand how and why compassion, altruism, and love have created a blind spot. That's the key point. Have created a blind spot and not just in relationship to foreign despots, but also to homegrown ones, end of quote. Exactly right. And this is where the book got really, really good. Man, Schellenberger just hits the nail on the head with that last quote. Why is there such a glaring, overriding blind spot in progressive-run cities where after 5 or 10 or 15 years, reasonable people looking around all agree What they're doing is not working. And can they try something else? Or is that something else just throwing more and more money at the problem, hoping to get a successful solution? Or let's just jack up the taxes even higher on the whole city because that makes us feel all more virtuous because we're robbing from the rich. Their old standard tagline, let's rob from the rich, which is totally misplaced compassion. Because we all know throwing money at the problem has never solved these problems. And frankly, I'm going to throw my own fellow Catholics under the bus on this one. They are often, often the problem, not the solution. So often my fellow Catholics are leading the charge. Gavin Newsom. 
the current governor of California, whom Schellenberger hammers away at in this book, is a perfect example. He claims to be a practicing Catholic, yet his track record is terrible at every stage of his career. And yet people keep electing him over and over because, quote, he cares. He gets it. He understands. Now, in general, social justice Catholics, as I call them, have this extremely odd version of Catholic social justice, which isn't found anywhere in the Bible. Most of these folks are devoid of any responsibility about the actions they take. Their religious evolution, so to speak, is to the social justice cause is like a cross between liberation theology of the 1960s, a radicalism from Karl Marx, and the hippie generation of the 60s, along with a strain of militant feminism woven in there and then finalized with his whole green movement from the last 20 years, which is completely unhinged. We actually covered uh, more on the fossil fuel and climate change and completely unhinged green movement in Liberty Minute number six, I believe. Yes. Which is they tell us that we're going to end gas power cars in the next 10 years and that you need to get an electric car. Okay, good, fine. And where are we going to charge the electric car at? State of California currently is going through rolling brownouts. <laughs> so they can't even keep the lights or the air conditioners on in our largest state. This type of thinking just makes reasonable people shake their heads. They don't understand. They don't even they can't even process where these people are coming from. It's in the end, these social justice warriors that have a concoction and, and a witch's brew of several radical, radical theories all rolled into one. We need to actually cover more on this Catholic social justice movement because many people simply have wrong concepts on the entire theological underpinnings of what is actually social justice. And it's not what they have created it to be. They have created their own little industry that has no substance whatsoever. Regardless, let's get back to the book at hand to sum all of this up. Quote, how and why do progressives ruin cities? So far, we have explored six reasons. They divert funding from homeless shelters to permanent Supportive housing resulting in insufficient shelter space. They defend the right of people they characterize as victims to camp out on sidewalks, in parks, and along highways, as well as to break other laws, including against public drug use and defecation. They intimidate experts, policymakers, and journalists by attacking them as being motivated by a hatred of the poor, people of color, and the sick and causing violence against them. They reduce penalties for shoplifting, drug dealing, and public drug use. They prefer homelessness and incarceration to involuntary hospitalization for the mentally ill and addicted. And their ideology, their ideology binds them to the harms of harm reduction, housing first and camp anywhere policies, leading them to miss 
attribute the addiction, the untreated mental illness, and homeless crisis to poverty and to policies and politicians dating back to the 1980s. But progressives are defined in opposition to moderate Democrats and Republicans. And so our explanation is incomplete. To understand why progressives ruin cities, we have to understand why they have been able to maintain and increase their political control over them over the last 30 years, despite the reality on the ground, end of quote. But that is what you're going to have to do because you're going to actually have to read the book because this book is so good. I'm going to recommend it. Schellenberger is intellectually honest. This is a very well-researched book. And frankly, because it's written by a guy who once drank the Kool-Aid of the radical and progressive left and has now come to his senses. I think this book more is more truthful than many other books we could cover. And he gives us the truth as close as the truth is we're going to get on why progressive run cities are becoming ruined by their own politics and the radical nature of not taking any responsibility or ownership of anything, not their policies, not their outcomes, not their people, not their, the, the people that are affected by these policies. And frankly, it's just a sad, sad thing to see. So in closing, and for today's Liberty Minute, Schellenberger quotes widely from Viktor Frankl in his last chapter, which actually ends on a hopeful note. So we're going to go back to the book to end on a hopeful note. Quote, today America is so divided that some progressives are openly proposing that America split apart. This suggestion raises a question similar to the one Viktor Frankl demanded of his depressed clients. Why doesn't America commit suicide? What should America live for? The traditional answer is freedom. But many Americans are deeply divided over its meaning. And the West was the meeting point between savagery and civilization. And he quotes Frankl later on as having agreed with that. Quote, freedom is the only part of the story and half the truth, he wrote. In fact, freedom is in danger of degenerating into mere arbitrariness unless it is lived in terms of responsibleness. End of quote. Yes, amen. Exactly right. Freedom is in danger of degenerating into mere arbitrariness or willfulness. Whatever I want to do, I should be able to do. That's not freedom. Freedom lived in terms of responsibleness. That is freedom. So amen. Again, Frankel was so good. He always clears away the clutter to get right to the heart of the matter. It's that lack of responsibility. And so keeping with Schellenberger's optimism and Viktor Frankl's intellectual clarity, let's go back to the book. Quote, the Statue of Liberty, noted Frankl, symbolizes something that is at once essential about the United States, but also incomplete. 
The American frontier closed over a century ago, and the values of the West increasingly defined the whole of the United States. But we are not living up to our role as leaders or to our duty to one another as fellow humans and citizens. As such, it is time for us to grow up. That should start in California, the state that most embodies the American frontier spirit and our love of freedom, and in San Francisco, to the city that most embodies its ingenuity. And so it is here, perhaps in the Bay, that connects the city to America that we should complete the American project and build what Frankel proposed as a statue of responsibility. End of quote. Wow. I could not agree more. But I won't hold my breath either. As Schellenberger reminds all of us, peace requires security and security requires responsibility. End of quote. So therefore, if we have a Statue of Liberty on our East Coast, I will second the motion that Viktor Frankl proposes in our quote above, and I vote for the city of San Francisco to erect in its harbor, in its bay, the statue of responsibility. Here, here, let it be done. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this Theory to Action podcast. Be sure to check out our show page at teammojoacademy.com, where we have everything we discussed in this podcast, as well as other great resources. Until next time, keep getting your mojo on. Are you a voracious reader who yearns for a deeper understanding of your favorite books? Or perhaps you're a busy professional seeking to enrich your knowledge, but short on time. The Mojo Academy 2.0 is your perfect solution. Our revamped service now includes beautifully designed monthly written reviews and PDF format to accompany our popular audio reviews. These aren't just summaries. These are comprehensive and insightful explorations of each book packed with the actual quotes from the book to enhance your understanding. With usually 69 pages per review, they are perfect reference tools to take your learning to the next level. Get your free Mojo Academy review in written format at teammojoacademy.com or click on today's show notes for that free link. Again, teammojoacademy.com or click on today's show notes and you will see the link for the free written review. Get yours today.